Jesus, how we thank you for your open arms. That's just what we need to hear this morning. 
your love, which has been constant and faithful with us from this old year and your open arms that are even here right now, waiting for us to come even to you. And that's our heart's desire, Jesus, this morning to come before you and to praise you as being God most high, the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever into this new year. Jesus, please send us your Holy Spirit in great measure. We're asking for your filling, Holy Spirit, open our hearts and open our minds that your word would fill us and affect us and transform us and change us. We need your power even this day. So we lay down our sinful flesh and say it has no place here. We come to the foot of the cross, Jesus, and experience your cleansing and your forgiving grace. And so now we desire to enter into your holy presence to have your word bathe us and change us and focus us on this new year. It's in your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks. Please be seated. Happy New Year. And welcome to the frozen tundra. You don't have to go to the Packers Stadium today. You got it right in your backyard. Uh, but if you go, I hope you're safe and you've got all those electric gadgets that keep your hands and your feet and everything else warm if you are going. By God's grace, we are entering again into another new year. We have celebrated Christ with our family and friends. We have watched the ball drop in Times Square, or maybe you tuned into country music in Nashville. Maybe some of the brave ones amongst us did the polar plunge yesterday, and you're here to say you survived. Some of the rest of us probably were packing away Christmas decorations yesterday in the looming reality that moms and dads are headed back to their work routine and schedule, and students will unfortunately have to be standing soon at the bus stop. Something of an old familiar routine will begin to unfold for us in the advent of this new year. So what's new in 2022? This message actually came about through a concordance search on how the Bible uses the adjective new. In the Hebrew Old Testament, it is used about 48 times. And in the Greek New Testament, it's found about 60 times. And I've picked only three of those passages using the adjective new to share with you this morning in three mini messages, which will each be separated by a response of worship. So I invite you to grab a Bible if you don't have one uh, that you brought in with you this morning. There's one in the chair rack in front of you. Turn please first to page 1799, 1799 for our first mini message uh, on the adjective new, we're turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Page 1799 in the Blue Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The Word of God. Therefore, 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. This passage uniquely pictures for us the entire redemptive story and the experience of redemption in a believer's life. There are four parts to this life-changing verse. The first part is a condition of fact. If anyone is in Christ. The second part is the conclusion of the condition. He is a new creation. The third and fourth parts of this verse explain the results of being a new creation. First, through a negative statement, the old has gone, and then through a positive statement, the new has come. Now look back with me at the beginning of the verse, at Paul's condition, beginning with the word, if. The Holy Spirit worded this verse as a condition because not, in fact, not everybody is in Christ. The Bible doesn't teach universalism or that all religions lead to heaven. That being said, the subject of the condition is this indefinite relative pronoun, anyone. Anyone is the wide open arms of God who invites anyone to come to him through Jesus Christ. Anyone, by God's grace, includes everyone. Anyone in this room? Anyone worshiping online? Anyone in the world? So anyone is included, but the condition must be met. So if you fit into one of those categories of anyone, this verse is personally speaking to you. But Paul gives us this condition, and it must be met that we are in Christ. Now, this little phrase, in Christ, is a micro picture of the entire gospel. To be in Christ is in an inseparable relationship with a real person, Jesus, the second person to the Trinity. This relationship begins when anyone turns from their sin and trusts in Jesus as Savior. This relationship is subjectively strengthened as we live actively for Jesus, and it's subjectively weakened when we don't. Now look at the next part of Paul's verse, the conclusion of his condition. In the Greek language, when a condition is true that a person is in Christ, then the conclusion must also be true that a person is, in fact, a new creation. As God made a physical creation all around us outside, out of nothing, by the power of his word, so God also makes a spiritual creation out of nothing by the power of his word. When anyone turns from their sin 
and trusts in Christ as Savior, God creates a new man or a new woman or a new child within spiritually to be just like Jesus. We might be more familiar with Jesus' own words to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again. And Paul referred to this same thing in a phrase he repeats several times in his epistles, the new self or the new man. Unlike the physical creation all around us that is disintegrating because of our sin, this new creation hidden with Christ cannot fail or be destroyed because it is built on the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This new creation is also objectively true. Whether I feel like a new creation or not, because it is not based on my successes or my failures. It is based upon Christ alone. That's why this new creation is the answer to our annual failed resolutions. It's our assurance that when we fall back into sin and repent of it, that God will faithfully continue his new creation work in us. Now let's look at the third part of this verse, the results of this new creation. First, Paul makes a negative statement. The old has gone. Now, what does he mean by this? My dead sin nature nailed to the cross. Gone. My hardened heart. Gone. Being an enemy of God. Gone. Being controlled by Satan. Gone. Destined for hell. Gone. Being tied to unbreakable chains of sin and shame and guilt and addiction and depression. Gone. Living to please myself. Gone. Powerless over sin and temptation. Gone. Incapable of pleasing God. Gone. All of this and much more is because of the person and the work of Jesus Christ at the cross. In place of all these things, Paul finally speaks of the positive results of being a new creation with the simple phrase, the new has come. So what does he mean by this little phrase? When God moves into a sinner, the Holy Spirit transforms the believing sinner from the inside out. This transformation happens both at the moment of conversion as well as a continuous work of God throughout the believer's life. So what's really new in me then when I'm in Christ? Five things we'll look at just very briefly. The first, my status before God is new. I am a child of God. I am a citizen of heaven. I am an inheritor of the riches of Christ. 
I am indwelt and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Second, my heart is new. I am fully capable of loving God and loving my neighbor, even my enemies. Third, my mind is new. I am able to think and to reason and to plan in ways that fully please God. Fourth, my strength is new. I am able to energetically and sacrificially serve God in the church and in the world with results that make a real difference. And fifth, my will is new. I am able to discern right from wrong and to choose a path that fully glorifies God. So let me ask you, friends, are you in Christ? Then celebrate your new creation in this new year. But if you aren't, then don't wait. Ask Jesus to save you, and his work of making you a new creation will begin. Now, here's the application that I want to leave with all of us that we need to diligently practice on a regular basis. At regular times throughout every day of this coming year, let's ask ourselves a simple diagnostic question that goes like this. Am I living like a new creation? If I'm not, then make some changes, make some adjustments, make some U-turns, and trust God to carry out his new creation work in you. So what's new in 2022? Anyone who is a new creation in Christ. Would you rise and respond with us? <clears throat> I am a new creation. The old has passed away. Not made. And I'm made new And I have been adopted The door is open up For me to know you Be like you This is who I am I've been born again The cross is my defense my hope secured my life is in your hand on your every word i stand lord i'm finding who i am in all you are when my heart condemns me tells me that i'm guilty your great your greater Jesus you have searched me and even in your finding you have loved me 
Thanks, please be seated. Grab your Bibles again. We're going to look at a second passage in a mini message on the adjective new, page 1227 in the Old Testament. If you're using the blue Bible in front of you, page 1227, we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. Page 1227, Jeremiah 31, verse 31, the word of God. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And if you'll let your eyes drop down to the last two or three lines of verse 34. There we find the provision of the new covenant. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. If you have ever read the prophet Jeremiah or have joined us on Wednesday nights for our study of that book this school year, then you have already a little sense of the importance of the new covenant. 
This covenant dates back to the waning years of the 7th century BC and was made with God's people, Judah. The book of Jeremiah is somewhat a dark and heavy read because of the repeated messages of judgment on an entire nation that had turned its back on God. The book of Jeremiah becomes for us today a picture of our own nation, a picture of universal human depravity that all have turned away and are under God's just judgment. In this context of national spiritual calamity, God promised new life to spiritually dead people through the new covenant. A covenant is a contract usually made between two or more people, such as a marriage covenant. But in this case, God unilaterally or unconditionally made the new covenant, which meant that God alone would fulfill the promises in the terms of the covenant. God's full forgiveness promised in the new covenant was not a blanket amnesty for a wicked and unrepented nation. His forgiveness would be received individually by faith only as each sinner repented and asked God to forgive. Now turn with me to a connecting passage in the New Testament, page 1544 in the New Testament to Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. Page 1544 in the Blue Bibles, Matthew 26, 28, a connecting passage from the New Covenant to the New Testament, where we find Jesus in the upper room on the night before his death, fulfilling the promises of the New Covenant in the context of the ancient Passover ceremony. Since the 10th plague in Egypt, when the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. This was early in the years of the 15th century BC. God told the Israelites to annually slaughter a perfect unblemished one-year-old lamb, to roast its meat, to apply its blood to the outside door frames of their houses, and to eat unleavened bread together. You might find it interesting if you read Exodus chapter 12 that this uh, meal and the shedding of the blood was to occur in the earliest days of the Jewish calendar, the new year. Now, why did God instruct his Old Testament people to do this? God saved from death those who applied the blood and who ate this meal together. Now, in celebrating the Passover with his disciples, Jesus clearly revealed that he himself is the Passover lamb. And by using the ancient Passover elements, he taught his disciples that the bread is a picture of his body. And the Passover cup 
is a picture of his blood. Within 24 hours of that Passover meal, Jesus would die on the cross to pay for the sin of the world. Now, if you've already turned to page 1544 in the New Testaments, we want to look at Jesus' words very carefully in Matthew 26, verse 28. This singular verse is taken out of the whole account of the Passover meal, and in this verse, Jesus is taking the Passover cup and getting ready to share it with his disciples. And Jesus said, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. If you're using the King James translation this morning, you'll find the word covenant translated as testament. And the King James translation also included the adjective new. Now, if you're using the blue Bible that was in the chair in front of you, we have the word covenant. And if you look very uh, quickly at the bottom of the page, you're going to see a footnote in small letters that almost needs a magnifying glass. Letter A for, for uh, verse 28 says that some ancient translations include the adjective new, while others do not. Nevertheless, Matthew's Jewish audience reading this verse and hearing this verse would see the word covenant attached to the provision of forgiveness. And they fully knew this was referring to the new covenant in Jeremiah chapter 31. So clearly at the cross, Jesus fulfilled his promise made in the new covenant to fully forgive his people. And in the elements of the supper, Jesus wants us to remember his forgiveness by what we touch and taste. New creation people are invited to participate this morning with Jesus in a new covenant meal. In taking this meal, we are professing that God in Jesus has already forgiven all our sin. And when we slip and fall into sin, the prophet Jeremiah reminds us by way of his writing in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 23, that God's mercies or his compassions are what? They're new every morning. Now, brothers and sisters, just a brief word of caution which comes from the scripture itself in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. This is not coming from me or the leadership of the church or the church itself. We do practice an open communion at Washera Community Church. That means you do not need to be a member of this church in order to celebrate this meal. But it is the Lord's Supper. And that means that we need to approach it on his terms and by his instructions. To new creation people, participation in this meal brings the believer face to face 
with Jesus. To those who are not saved or who are living in unrepented sin, participation in this meal brings judgment because your sin is not forgiven or covered. And because you are sitting at the table before the holy God. It is not the taking of these elements that forgives sin. It is faith in Christ alone that receives forgiveness. So if you are not saved this morning, or you are living in unrepented sin, and you have picked up the communion elements, it would be better if you left them unopened in your pocket or on the chair next to you. And first, confess your sin to Jesus and ask for his saving mercy. Now to new creation people who are covered in new covenant forgiveness, I invite you to carefully take off the top seal of the elements and to take the bread out and to hold it in your hands as we will take the bread together. As we prepare to sit at the table together with Jesus. This bread is a picture of new covenant forgiveness. The Holy Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 23, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. And then carefully peeling off the second seal that is on your communion elements to open the cup and then hold it as we will drink the cup together. This cup is a picture of new covenant forgiveness. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 25, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We'll drink the cup together. First Corinthians eleven twenty six tells us for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Thank you, Jesus, for new covenant forgiveness.
again, we invite you as you feel able to, to rise and respond with us. And I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all and all. Cause Jesus made it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed in white as Lord, now indeed I find Thy power and Thine alone Can change the leper's spots And melt the heart of stone Cause Jesus made it all All to Him I Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. It washed away all my sin, all my shame. When before the throne I stand in the complete. Jesus died, my soul to save. My lips shall still repeat. Jesus made it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, He washed in white as and left the crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Jesus.
We'll turn to our third mini-message this morning. If you'll turn in Holy Scripture to page 1937, the second last chapter of the New Testament, Holy Scripture, page 1937. At the conclusion of his writing on the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, Paul instructed new creation people to celebrate new covenant forgiveness in Jesus until he comes. This little phrase is exciting because it causes believers to look steadily above the pain and the trouble and the heartache of our disintegrating world to the certainty of the bodily return of Jesus. He who was put to death for our sin was raised to life and is currently ruling over the entire universe on his heavenly throne. And he's coming back again to take his new creation people to be with him forever. Page 1937 in scripture, Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Our last glance at how scripture uses the adjective new. The Apostle John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. This promise of a new heaven and a new earth had already been made to God's Old Testament people in Isaiah 65. God's people have forever lived in a broken world, burdened by sin. But it is the promise of new covenant forgiveness and a new heaven and new earth that keeps us longing for the second coming of Jesus. I'm not sure how you folks feel about the year 2021 that we have just closed the books on. It was a record year in many ways. Our WCC family experienced tremendous loss and hardship in this past year. But by God's grace and faithfulness, we are standing at the edge of another year, ready to jump off into the strong and wide and capable hands of God. We don't know much that will happen in our future with certainty, except that Jesus Christ is coming back. And as he promised, his new creation people will live forever with him in new resurrected bodies in a new heaven and a new earth. That is what we know with certainty, and that is what we confess with confidence. All the rest of this coming year is held 
and ruled in the hidden wisdom and providence of God. The soon coming of Jesus is what kindles our hope in the midst of a world that's gone mad, whose leaders and politics do not understand Jesus as king and sovereign, and whose people are blindly moving on a treadmill headed toward destruction and death. Only the promise of complete transformation in Christ can change this. Only the promise of full forgiveness in Christ can change this. Only the promise of an indestructible life in Christ in a new world can change this. Have you latched on to these promises in Christ? Have you been changed by Jesus? The gospel has been and always will be the driving message that propels us throughout this new year, whatever may happen. It makes no difference if we lose everything in this life. Because in Christ, we already hold the new heaven and the new earth as our inheritance. So this is why I'm looking forward to and excited about the year 2022. Because I am a new creation in Christ. I am covered in new covenant forgiveness. And I'm a stockholder in the new heaven and new earth. And if that's not enough new for you in 2022, I'll leave you with one more bonus verse. Jesus himself said in Revelation 21, verse 5, Behold, I am making all things new. With that, I wish you and pray for you a blessed and happy new year. Father, thank you for speaking your powerful promises to us in your word. Thank you for equipping us in Christ with everything we need for life and for godliness and for whatever unfolds in 2022, God. You already know the end from the beginning, and so we're confident, God, in your knowledge of that and in your planning of our lives moving in your plan. God, we're confident that in Christ, you've equipped us with your word and your spirit to make godly decisions and choices, the paths that we make in this coming day and new year to fully glorify you. Thank you, God. We are not lacking. We are not without you who have been faithful in the year past to us. Your faithfulness will carry us through this entire new year, so that when we look backwards again, it's your footsteps that we see. And we will praise you and thank you now in advance, O oh God, for your good plan and purposes for us in this coming year.
In the holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you rise with us for this closing song? Oh 
and I will adore you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Father, as we have come before you this morning, may every breath that we have praise you. May it give you glory and honor, the strength and majesty that you deserve. May every word from our lips glorify and magnify you. And as one of the ways we've seen new, may you rejuvenate us, restore us, and make us new this morning. And tomorrow morning and the next day and the next day and the next day so that we would look more like your son, Father. That we might go into the world and love others if you have loved us. That we might bring your gospel from this place out to the ends of the earth. Each and every place we go. And may you be glorified as we go today. And may we take hold of the newness that your word and your truth and your gospel brings. May you be glorified as we have praised you this morning in response to who you are and what you've said you've done. We thank you and we praise you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us in worship this morning, uh, praying that you go with these new truths, right? Old truths but newness of truth that you would go out and bring the gospel everywhere you go. Have a wonderful rest of your day and a great week.